Good morning. Welcome to the first part of our fall teaching series called Untangled. We're going to be looking specifically at a few verses in the New Testament book of Hebrews. So as the Bibles come down, you can be looking in the index in the front of that and looking through there and finding the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, take one of those Bibles. If you would like to uh, take one home with you, if you need one, just take it. If not, just leave it in the back as you leave today. You can follow along in there or you can look on the screen because the verses we'll be looking at will be in both places. Every 25 seconds in the United States, somebody has a coronary event, meaning what? Somebody has a heart attack, meaning people die. Maybe it's just a heart attack, maybe it's just death, but according to the CDC website, that happens every 25 seconds. And here are the causes. The major causes of coronary events, you might think, well, it's hereditary. If it happened to my dad, so it's going to happen to me. It's not the major cause. Here's the major cause. Cause is. One is secondhand smoke. That's a major cause of heart problems. Another is, others are diet, health, and exercise. Those are the leading causes of someone having a heart event every 25 seconds in our country. And every one of those causes are completely within our control to keep them out of our lives. So obviously, we ignore things that are bad for us. We ignore, we just leave them in our lives and we ignore the things that are bad for us until there's a crisis. I mean, somebody has a heart attack and guess what? They're going to start eating right, aren't they? They're going to start exercising. Not many people go, yeah, I don't really care. I'm just going to keep eating the fries or whatever it is you eat. I'm just not going to exercise, even though the doctor says, look, if you had done this, this is what would be happening right now, but you didn't, and so from now on, you need to do that. So some of the most religiously dieting, exercising people are people who have had a health event in their life. Why is it that we have to wait until something goes wrong in order to say, you know what, I want to get healthy? See, it's a lot harder to do on the back end than it is the front end. And in this verse, these two verses we're going to look at in the book of Hebrews, the writer is is trying to talk to us about things we ignore spiritually that are just not good for us. Just like we ignore things physically and we end up getting sick, he's trying to say, look, there are things in your life you need to get out of your life, and if you don't, you're going to have some spiritual problems. And he's telling us what we need to choose spiritually. We chose this section in, in, in Hebrews for this time of the year because if you're in traditional school, your kids just start, and you got kids at home, they just started school this week, things kind of get back into routine and you think, oh, finally summer's over. Anybody like breathe a big sigh of relief when your kids go back to school and you think things are going to be easy now, schedules are going to calm down, and, and I can just rest. But we're, if traditional calendar, you're already two days in, and how many people are already behind? Hey, I see on Facebook, and I'm friends with a lot of teenagers, and I can tell many of you are already behind, aren't you? You're already behind. And, and the kids' schedules, parents, you're already running around thinking, can we just go back to summer? Can we just go back to when the days were long and it was easy and I didn't have to run everybody everywhere all the time and have all these schedules to keep and supplies to buy and homework to fight over every single evening? 
See, we chose this series this time of year because it's really easy to get tangled up in everything that's going on in our life before we even realize it. But there's some great advice given in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that tells us how we can get untangled from the things that tangle us up in life. Beginning at verse 1, it says this. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's some words from a writer that wants people to know there's a better way to live. A little bit of background on this whole book in the New Testament called Hebrews. It wasn't even called Hebrews when it was first written. It didn't really have a name. It just it was, it was the second century when the New Testament was being compiled and the books were being put in order that they named it Hebrews. There's a lot of mystery surrounds the book of Hebrews because in the book of Hebrews, you're not sure who wrote it. It doesn't say, my name is this and I'm writing to these people. It doesn't really say. Scholars think two people might have, one of two people might have written it. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, two-thirds of it. Or a guy named Barnabas, who's referred to in the book of Acts. Maybe one of those two guys. But even it's not clear which one of those it would have been. Who's it to? Not really sure, but you can kind of look at the context and realize it's to people. Well, it's called Hebrews, so obviously someone of Jewish descent said, we're getting a book in the New Testament. So they named it Hebrews. And it's written to people who, just like the last book we looked at, the book of James, was written to recent Jewish converts who had converted to Christianity and believing in Jesus Christ. This is written to people much later than the book of James was written, but it's written to people who used to be Jewish and then accepted the message of Jesus Christ, and then they started to get persecuted. They lived in a culture where, where people just didn't respect the fact that they had once been Jewish and now they were followers of Jesus Christ, and so they were persecuted. They were mistreated. They were kicked out of their homes, and, 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 and all of a sudden, this following Jesus got really hard, and it didn't line up with their lifestyle. And word got out that many of these people were considering, you know what, it was easy. let's just go back. Let's go back to the other way of living because at least people didn't try to cut our heads off all the time. Let's go back to that. At least we weren't persecuted day in and day out. And so whoever, whatever church leader, maybe it was intentionally that this book was written anonymously, but whatever church leader wrote this book of Hebrews writes to say, don't go back. Stick with Jesus. Keep your faith strong. And in the middle of all of that writing and trying to convince these people who were about ready to bail on Jesus Christ, he says, hey, let it, let's get rid of everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us and run this race with perseverance that's marked out for us. Now, I, left a, I left one word out of that verse when I read it. It's a big word. It's not a long word. It's just packed with lots of meaning. So he doesn't just start out saying, well, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says one word before the word since. Put, put it up there with all of it in there. He says the word, therefore. And I can remember when I first started going to church and I first started opening my Bible when I was in my early 20s, and, and I can remember this preacher saying, hey, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to figure out what, what's it there for and what, what, why are they saying that? Because they're saying therefore because something before that was very important. And what comes after the word therefore hinges upon everything that he had just said. So that's a big word. So to know, well, 
therefore live like this, what's, what did he say before that? So you have to read all of chapter 11, which I'm not going to do. I'll just tell you the first few verses and, and what chapter 11 is talking about. But basically, this verse, he's saying, because of what I just said, here's what you need to do. And here's what he had just said. In chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, when I start talking about faith, when I start talking about getting rid of things that are in your life, you might be sitting here today saying, look, I've tried that. I've tried to kill the bad habit. I've tried to change the schedule up. I've tried to stop the action that's destroying relationships in my life, and I just couldn't do it. But the writer of Hebrews says, I know you've all tried this, but listen, consider what I've already said. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the rest of chapter 11, he's just telling us this is what faith looks like in people's lives. The word certain, it just means confident. It means to be confident. If we do certain things, we can have this confidence and assurance that God's going to uphold his end of the deal and we are going to be able to throw off the things. We're going to be able to get rid of the things that harm us in our lives. So he goes on in chapter 11 to tell stories of people who took big steps of faith. Taking a step of faith enables me to do more. Taking a step of faith enables me to do something I couldn't do on my own. And you might think, I can't get this out of my life. I can't rearrange my life right now. I know some of these activities are bad for me. Even if it's not sin, it's still something that's not, not the best for my life. And I just can't do it. And so this writer tells us, let me tell you about some people, some regular people who lived in the past, whose, whose names echo through the centuries of people plain, regular, everyday people just like us who did great things with their faith. And so he lists 12 or 13 people who this person did this, and, and he lists people like Noah, who Noah never saw a hurricane before the ark. And God said, build this ark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flood the world, and you and your family are going to be safe in it. And he gives him all these instructions, and so Noah starts building this ark by faith, even though it had never rained where Noah was. But God said to do it, so he did it. So he's commended for having that great faith, because he didn't know when he started with the first hammer and nail, or the first drill and dowel, or however he built it. He didn't know. He just knew God said to do it. Chapter 11 talks about Abraham, who heard from God clearly to leave his homeland and go and do something else in another country, and that God would prosper him for it. It, it made no sense. Not prosper him financially, but through his descendants. And Abraham did it. And God made his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he's commended for his faith. There's a lady talked about in the Old Testament. Her name is Rahab, and the world saw her as a prostitute because that's what she was. But God saw her as something much better, much deeper, 
and he used her to do something that would influence an entire nation. And she was commended for her faith when the world would kick her to the curb. And then there's, there's this little boy named David who, who by all human accounts could not defeat this giant, David and Goliath. You may have heard the story in various forms, but David goes and kills this giant because he's defiling the name of God, and David kills him. And he's a little boy, and his faith goes out, and he kills him with one shot, and he's commended for his faith. So no matter what happens, when we have faith, it transforms And it enables us to do more than we could ever do without it. So no matter what you think about yourself, if you think, well, I can't get rid of these things in my life I need to get rid of, I can't throw it all, I can't, you know, I feel really burdened down right now, I just can't get past it, you can. Because look at what all these other people did, these regular people. And he says, now these people are witnesses and they're watching, not literally, but they're, they're watching. Now, let's read it with the word therefore, understanding that he's saying because of what people have done in the past, here's what you can do today. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The word for hinder just means the, the dominant thing. What, what's dominating your life? Now, when you start doing something, you don't think, I'm going to let this dominate my life. Now, you kids will think this is hilarious. When I was in the eighth grade, the coolest thing to do was Pac-Man. And, and there was this store in my little hometown that had a Pac-Man game, a game, one game. And so if you stood in line, you could line your quarters up. You couldn't play more than five times. And I got the best at Pac-Man. Now, when I started playing Pac-Man, I did not consider that that would consume most of my eighth grade year in school. I didn't think about that. I didn't think, well, this is gonna, I'm going to play Pac-Man so it can consume my life. But it did. I, don't even, I, don't, I play very little video games now because I know my weakness. I know what would happen. And the girl's like, Dad, play this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, you know, if I get into that, it's like three days have gone by and I'm still just sitting there, you know. I want to keep playing. So when we get all tangled up in something, and it becomes dominant in our lives, we don't say, you know what, I want my schedule to rule my life. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this stressed out, really busy schedule, and I want it to rule my life, and that's my goal. Nobody says that. Nobody says, I want to get behind, and I want to just feel like I never get caught up. That's what I want to do. Nobody says, I want to eat fried, greasy, fat-filled food so my arteries can get clogged and I can die of a heart attack one day. That's what I want to do. Nobody does that. Nobody takes a look at the computer to look at things that no one should even view and says, I want to be addicted to this, where I arrange my whole day in secrecy so I can look at these images and these videos and all this stuff. Nobody does that. Nobody says, I want to start this conversation with someone of the opposite sex at work so I can really get my marriage in a bind. Nobody does that. But somehow, when those things get into our life, whether they're sin or not, they can entangle us. And before we know it, we feel like that guy in the video that we're just, we're bound up and we're cuffed up and we can't get out of it. And this writer of Hebrews says, look, if you want to live the life that God calls you to live, then you need to get untangled from these things. 
the things that hold you down, and also the sin that is in your life. There are things I must get rid of <clears throat> to live a healthy life. There are just things in my life I've got to get them out of my life if, if I'm going to live a healthy life. And there are things that hold us down that are sinful, and there are things that hold us down that aren't sinful. See, we tend to think that, well, if it's not sinful, it's okay. But other things can hold us back just the same. And this writer is saying, in light of these examples I just gave you of faith, and especially in light of Jesus Christ's model of endurance, we're called to endure as runners in a race. And the picture is, and we'll get deeper into this whole athletic thing next week because he's talking about runners in a race and winning a prize and and not taking our eyes off off of Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But but he's giving this picture of an arena and people in a race. And he wants them to picture that all of these people of faith are watching them. They're not literally watching, but their testimony and their stories and, and the example of their faith, that's what's watching them. And he's saying... They did it, and so can you. They were able to take these huge steps of faith, and a big step of faith for you might be just confessing something that you're doing you need to stop. A big step of faith might be pulling the family together and saying, you know what, we are going to stop doing some things in our life that prevent us from building deep, close family relationships. And that would mean different things for every family, but when you take a big step of faith and do that, God is saying, look, these people in the past did big things. You can do big things. These people in the past that we just read about, they were able to make faith decisions and do hard things and see that God is faithful. And you can enjoy the same thing they did, things they did. Isn't it great when you get to hear somebody's story? Just like up there, you just heard those stories of people who, well, I, was, I, I, was, I had this skepticism about a life group, but look what happened. And I, I, I thought it, I couldn't have doubts, but I found out I can express my doubts. And I thought I was too old, but I found out I'm not too old. And, and doesn't it help? And we know it helps. That's why we put it up there. So you can see people just like you that said, at one time I didn't want to be in a life group, but now I do. And I was able to go and I was able to be me. It's always helpful to hear someone else's story and identify with that. And that's what that word therefore is there for. So listen to these people's stories. And when I've been in a bind, just this week I was on the phone asking somebody who had, who's, who's been through this whole thing of, of building a building and land and all the stuff we're in the middle of. I was like, how did you handle this? You know, I'd like to get some sleep during this process. So... How did you handle this? And I'm just hearing his story of how he went through it and how they made decisions. And I was like, okay, taking notes right now. And I felt better. Just a few days ago, a pastor from another state, another church, called me. A guy I didn't even know said, hey, somebody told me you could help me with this. And their church was going through something very similar to what our church went through in the early days. And and, and so I began to tell him the story, and I, and I told him, well, this is what we did, and this is how I handled it, and this is what I said, and, and this, this was the consequence, and this was the result, and, and here's what happened because of this. And for about an hour, I could tell he was just taking notes. Give me, he was saying, give me some zingers. Give me some things to say, like one or two lines, one or two words. And so I was giving him everything I could think of that I, that I felt like worked. And later on, I get a message from him that said, 
thanks, I can do this. So there are people even in your life now that are available to you and stories that are available to you. If you're having trouble thinking, how could I get this out of my life? How could I stop doing this? When you hear how someone else did it and went through it, you should be able to say, you know, I can do this. We can rearrange our lives till they better align with God's plan for our life and God's intention for all of our lives. I can get this stuff out of my life because listen how this person did it. And all of those stories, I am sure, I know in my story, and I'm sure all those stories from the Old Testament, there were very hard decisions to make. There were decisions to make where people had to go against culture, maybe had to go against friends, maybe had to go against their profession. And they made these hard decisions and they stepped out on faith. And because they did that, God was faithful. And he will be faithful to us when we make the hard decisions to get rid of the things that hinder us and to throw off the sin that we easily get entangled in. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to get untangled. Sooner or later, you're going to drop the sin. But don't wait until the kids are all grown up and gone and out of the house to say, gosh, I wish I would have done something different that didn't require me to be gone so much. Don't wait until the relationship is falling apart to say, okay, I'm ready now to be untangled from all this stuff that was pulling us apart. Don't wait until your health is completely gone to say, you know what, I'm going to take care of myself now. Because it's a bigger hill to climb relationally, physically, and spiritually if we wait till it's too late. And that's what this verse is trying to tell us to do. This is the only verse we're going to read today. And if you remember this verse, your life will be better. If you obey this verse, your life will be better. This verse makes it clear two things. We're all going to get tangled up in life, and we're all going to sin. But he tells us, hey, if you get rid of that stuff, you're going to be able to run this race with perseverance. So how do you do that? Well, you get rid of the things in your life that are holding you back. And you look like very intelligent people. You all, are, you all got here. You, you knew how to navigate around trees or limbs or whatever in the street. And, and you came here with faith that the air conditioner, praise God, is working today. And it, it feels great in here. It, you're smart people. So you know how to get those things out of your life. It's just, it's just really hard to, to make those decisions that just leave the stuff behind that harms us. Because life is like, it's a race. It's not a sprint. This verse is telling us that life is like, it's a marathon. You have to persevere. And which of these two people look more equipped to run a marathon? Which one? Which one? If you were betting... Who would you bet would win? Well, the guy on the right, he's a little leaner. He's got a little less baggage on him. And the guy on the left, I mean, how could he take three steps? Spiritually, many of you walked in here today looking like the guy on the left. And now you hear this verse that says, you know what, get rid of that. Because life is more like the guy on the right. That's what your life is like. It's like a marathon that you need to be lean to get through it and to live the life that God 
wants for you. Life's not designed to walk through with something like that on our backs. And this verse and the next one are saying, look, you can do this. Just let the stuff go. Who's going to be watching football, like college football, pro football? It's like really cool time of the year for people who like that, right? You love it. You can go home and you can watch it and, and, and just yell out a favorite team. Somebody yell out a team. Okay, the Steelers. I heard the Steelers first. No comment about their abilities or anything like that, but the Steelers, all right? So if you watch the Steelers and you love the Steelers and they lose, you watch the screen and you say, you're better than that, guys. Come on, you can win. I've liked, I've loved you since I was a little boy. Please just win. Just go to the Super Bowl. And when they mess up, you're like, come on, you're better than that. And that's what God says to us when we goof up, when we go walking through life with all that baggage on our backs. Whether it's sin or not sin, it's still on there. It's still weighing us down. And God says, you're better than that. You are better than walking through life carrying all the stuff. So do better and run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. The word perseverance, or the word that's translated into perseverance, is used 31 times in the New Testament. When Jesus used the word that's translated perseverance, he didn't say persevere, he said stand firm. So stand firm, be steady, be consistent, be tenacious. And if you want to stand firm, just look at how God has worked in your past and others' past and believe it. Our struggles and hardships and oppositions and mistakes, those are all in the arena of life. You can't exempt yourself from that. You can't say, God, could you please exempt me from any difficulties in life? It doesn't work that way. And this verse in Hebrews says, as you move through life, you need to always understand as you're going forward, you must be leaving stuff behind. And these witnesses that he's talking about from the past, it just means that you can't do it alone. If you try to do it alone, you will fail. Every low time in my life, I'm not up all the time. There's times when I'm down. There's periods of times when I'm down. And I'm dealing with just, whether it's emotional or something that I just, it just feels like, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. And every time I have, it's never been because I stayed alone in my room with the curtains drawn and the doors closed and I didn't have interaction with anybody. Every time I've been at a down, down point in my life and God brought me out of it, it was in the context of relationships with other people. And if you try to throw off what hinders you and get rid of the sin that entangles you by yourself, you will fail. Life is designed to do with other people. So if you just hear this message today and you're like, all right, I'm going to do that. I can do it. I'm tough. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get rid of the stuff in my life and you never interact with other people, it won't work. You need to be connected with other people in order to do what this verse says says. Now, we believe, saw the video earlier, we believe that the way to do that at LifePoint is to connect it into a life group or some kind of a group where you're connected with other people. 
Now, I know some of you have tried it and thought, oh my gosh, I would rather like somebody just go ahead and beat me with a stick or poke something in my eye. I don't want to do that again. I didn't enjoy that at all. Just try another one. Do it again. I've been in life groups I did not enjoy, that I had nothing in common with those people. I can tell they probably didn't like me and I, they're not my favorite people either, so it didn't work out. That's okay. That's, I mean, God put enough people on the earth that you can find a group of people that can challenge you and you can love and respect and be open, be transparent and trust. It doesn't take many people, and we've got enough people in our church to do this, where you can find a group of people where you can connect. And if you don't, either we haven't done our job or you've just made a decision that you're just not going to take the step. I feel like we have done our job, and if you feel like, you know what, you, I, you haven't done your job on the small group thing for me, it's just not working. You come and talk to me. Email me. Call me and say, it's not working. And I'll take you by the hand, and I will, I will go with you to your group. And I'll say, this person's having trouble. I won't do that. But I'll just, I'll just say, hey, come on, let's go. I'll go to a group with you, and we'll get it working. So all you have to do today is check Live Group or write Live Group on the back of your WhatsApp card. Or when you're sitting in bed tonight with your laptop, I'm sure hundreds of you do that, right? You sit in bed, guys, with, with your other woman, which is a laptop. My, mine is named Helen. That's just what we named her many years ago. And I sit there with Helen, and when you're sitting there with your Helen, just... Just go to findmygroup.com. Go to that and, and just look for a group. If you're not in one, there's a, there's a little dot on the map. And if it's near your house, click on it. It doesn't have to be near your house. It's probably better if it is. But just click on it and read about that group. Some of the group leaders are very detailed. Like, hey, we're really cool people that like to hang out and eat pizza. and I don't know, whatever. They just list stuff. Some just say, this is the place. This is when we meet. Please don't bring your kids. You know, some say things like that. But you, you can find out in the group about, hey, this is one that would work for me. Do that. And if you're sitting there going, okay, great, you just, had, you just complicated my week. You want me to add one more thing to my week? No. Read Hebrews 12 before you think it's going to complicate your week and figure out, well, what do I need to get rid of to do what's best in order to get myself in the context of relationships that, that are going to help me Get rid of the things that hold me back in life and conquer these, some of the sin that's in my life. I've heard story after story from life groups that people's lives who have changed, people who have made the decision and said, I'm, I'm finally going to believe and I'm finally going to follow Jesus Christ, and they make that decision to accept his teachings. And maybe while I've been talking today, you're like, you know what, I'm ready to do that. Just come and talk to me or Rob afterwards. And earlier, Rob said baptism after second service. Oh, we'll do it right now. We've never had a baptism. just sitting out back. We always have to schedule it. Let's schedule it five minutes from now. Just go on out there. If you've never done it and you need to take that step, just go find Rob or me at the info booth and say, let's go. And we'll walk out there. We'll put the video camera up. And you'll go in. And you'll follow Christ in baptism. We'll all applaud. And you will have taken another step closer to what it means to connect with God. So if you're ready to do that, and you're like, well, I don't have any shorts. We got extra shorts. <laughs> we do. We keep them. I don't have a t-shirt. You get a free t-shirt. <laughs> we got towels. We got the works. I think there's, I think I even saw makeup remover down the bottom of that thing. So, so all excuses have been removed. So if you're ready, let's just do it right after the service. If you need to think about it, when you talk about it, we can do it after next service. But if you're ready to take that step, take that step. And the step for you today, it might be baptism, but the step also might be, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go life group, and I'm going to take Donnie up on his offer to go with me. 
please go with me, Donnie, in this life group. And I will. But just do it. I want to end today reading this verse. We're going to read it out loud together. Let's go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You can do it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this verse that I hope stays in our hearts all week. That encourages us to to get the things out of our lives, to line up our lives with you. And do that through the context of relationships with other people. and, And live knowing that we can live the life that you've called us to live. Thank you for these words that that we don't even know who wrote them, but we do know who wrote them. That we know that you did. And may they touch our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.